if you want to grab your message notes at this time, I'm excited to start a new series today through the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua is a book in the Bible about leadership. It's a book in the Bible all about transition. And I think as we transition as a church to a new season, I believe what's good for the church is good for the people. And many times what happens in the church as a body, as a whole, is what God's wanting to do individually in our hearts. And I dare say that there may be some in this room, if not all of us in this room, that we have some aspects of our lives where we need to see God do a great breakthrough. We have an impossibility that we seem like we've just kind of been going in circles in some area of our life, and God wants us to give us a brand new day. God wants us to essentially cross over. The book of Joshua centers, the very beginning of the book of Joshua centers on the Jordan River and how it served as kind of a threshold from the, for the people of God going from where they've been really circling for 40 years. I don't know if you've ever been in a place in your life where you feel like you're dealing with the same problem over and over again, just the same thing, the same thing. Every month is the exact same thing, and you're just kind of in a rut in your life. And this is how the children of Israel was. It was kind of like Groundhog Day. Has anybody ever seen Groundhog Day before? If you haven't, you're not cultured. You need to you see Groundhog Day. And uh, it's Groundhog Day is about how Bill Murray gets stuck in the same day. And every day he wakes up stuck in the same day and stuck in the same day. And when he begins to make different choices, he begins to get out of being stuck. And I really want to see over the next few weeks as we study the book of Joshua, my heart and prayer is that some of us would get unstuck in some areas of our life. Maybe you're stuck financially and God wants to bring you into a place of abundance and more than enough. Maybe you're stuck relationally and in in, in, in God wants to take you into Honeymoon 2.0, uh, some married couple in this house. Or, or may, maybe you're stuck in your career and you need a breakthrough. Maybe you're stuck in, 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 in depression and anxiety and you need God to cross you over into a place of peace and a place of joy. Maybe you're at a place of insecurity and God wants to take you to a place of God confidence where you know that he's going to have it and everything's going to be okay. But whatever it is, whatever the crossover that wants to take place in your life, I want to see God do that because that's the purpose. It's God wants to constantly transition us to greater places. The Christian life is not just about coming to church, hearing a message and singing songs. It's about a relationship. It's about a, a life that's changed from the inside out constantly. It, it's not about an event. It's about a relationship. Ten years ago, I had an event that made me married to my wife, Kara. But that's, that's not a marriage. It's just, it's just a moment. It's just an event. And, and maybe you had a moment where you got saved. Or maybe you had a moment where you had an encounter with God. And, and, and God says, that's not the point. That's not the big deal. The big deal is what happens after that. The big deal is this process of us continuing to, continuing to learn and grow and become more like Jesus. And uh, our theme verse for this series is found in Romans chapter 2, verse 4 from the message paraphrase. I just love how it's said here. It simply says that God is kind. I love, I love that, simple, that simple thought, that simple statement. It should be on the screen. God is kind. He is, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. I love that. God's kind, but he's not soft. You know, he's not a softy in that he's not just going to say, yeah, just kind of live, do whatever you want to do. God says, no, I'm kind, but I have a great plan for your life. And he takes us firmly by the hand and he leads us to a radical life change. I want to see someone come to a radical life change in your world, just like the children of Israel did in the Bible. 
Um, I want to start with verse 1 of the book of Joshua. And throughout this series, I just literally just want to walk through the Bible. So if you want to bring your Bible with you, I, have, I put the scriptures in your notes that maybe we can get some lights turned on here in a moment, and that way you can read it, and that way you can see it and not, not be in the dark. Um, so <laughs> let there be light a little bit. That would be great. But uh, as, as you do that... Um, maybe we can just kind of follow along with this. And as we do, I want to tell you a little bit about the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua is such an incredible book. It's a book about leadership, and it's a book about Jesus. I don't know if you knew this, but the word Joshua, the name Joshua, and the, word, and the name Jesus are actually the same name in the Bible. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament, Testament was written in Greek. And some of the pronunciations from Hebrew to Greek got changed a little bit as, as they were translated. But, it, but Joshua, if you were to pronounce it in Hebrew, it would just simply say Yeshua, which is the same exact name as Jesus. So Jesus is seen in the life of Joshua. So as we look at how he led, as we looked at his leadership style over the people, we'll also see how Jesus is, I believe, his leadership style over us. And we get to see a picture of how truly Jesus is the only one that can take us into the promised land in our life. Moses represented the law. Moses was the one who gave the law, who received the law from God for the people. But the law, Moses, was never able to take the people into the promised land. And, and, and any, the rules and regulations of religion will never be able to take you into the fulfilled life that God has for you. It's only through a relationship with Jesus. Only Joshua was able to take them over the threshold into the promised land. And only you can go to church every day of your life. You can sing every song. You can quote the Bible up and down. Did you know even Satan knows how to quote the Bible? Like, just doing those things, knowing the law is a wonderful thing, but without Jesus, it's all meaningless. Without Jesus, you'll never truly possess the promise of God for your life. So Joshua gives us a picture of what it looks like to get unstuck and what it looks like to move forward in our lives. So let's look at it. Let's look at how, how this happened and how this worked out in the life of Joshua and the people. First of all, in verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and he said this. So this is how the whole book begins. Maybe we can turn off that light, yeah. I don't want to give everybody like a seizure. That would be... <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Um, it says, there we go. What, what, what are we talking about, the Bible? Yeah, okay. Verse 2 says, Moses, my servant, is what? He's dead. That's a pretty bold way to start the whole book, God, right? He said, Moses, my servant, is there, dead, and therefore the time has come. If you're taking notes today, just underline that. The time has come. I think that's a word for somebody. The time has come in your life. This is what he, he was telling Joshua. He said, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. God starts, begin, he starts by saying that, that you need to understand that this is a brand new season. You need to understand that Moses is dead. Here's the first reality that, that I believe we learned through this book. First of all, stop living in the past. Stop living in the past. Too many people can't move forward because they're too busy looking behind them. Too many people can't move forward because they're so busy living behind, looking behind themselves. 
Notice God tells Joshua, hey, understand this, Moses is gone. I'm sure this was kind of offensive to Joshua because he had such respect. For 40 years, he had served Moses, and I'm sure he thought Moses was such an incredible leader, and God just says, hey, I want you to know Moses is gone. He says, Joshua, if you're going to lead this people, and if you're going to have a crossover in your life, you have to stop living in the past. I want to say, you'll, many times we live in the past one of two ways. Sometimes we live in the past negatively through regret. We say, man, look at my past. Look at all the mistakes that I've made. Look at my history. We even come to a new church sometimes because we're like, Shh, nobody knows my past here. And we say, I don't want to really get connected to anybody because then they're going to find out more about who I am. And I want you to know that we serve a God who no matter what our past is, right, that he can transition us into incredible things. It doesn't matter what our past is. It doesn't matter how many mistakes that we've made, that our past doesn't define our future. Or we can live back in the past, not in regret, but in nostalgia. And this is probably what Joshua was dealing with. He was thinking, you know what, it will never be as good as it once was. Maybe you're here today and you're at a different transition of life. And you say, you know what? It'll never be as good as it was then. It'll never be as good as it was a couple years ago. I'll never be as good as Moses. I'll never be able to do that. And I want you to know that God wants, if you're going to move into the season that he has for you, you have to let the past be the past. You have to say either, you know what, I'm thankful it's over, or you know what, I'm just going to leave it behind. And essentially God was saying, Joshua, do not stay in a season that I am no longer in. Do not stay one more minute in a season with God that God is so far away from there. God says, I want you to move forward with me. There's a reason why, why the, the, whenever you're driving your car, the windshield is much bigger than the rearview mirror, Right? My first wreck that I got in whenever I was 16 years old, had had my license for two weeks, everybody. Uh, just, I was winning, you know, model student right here. And I was leaving high school, watching the people, my friends in the car behind me in the rearview mirror, right? And what I've learned is that the rearview mirror is wonderful to glance at, but it, you cannot live in it or you're going to have a wreck in your future. And I want you to know that, the, that, that God wants us not to look at our past, whether in, whether in nostalgia or regret. God wants us to look forward in our future. Maybe you've had a troublesome marriage lately. Maybe there's some things that are happening, and, and, and you're just wondering. I believe God would say to you, wherever you are, just understand this. Leave your past behind. Let today, let August 21st, 2016, be a brand new day for your life. Understand that today is a brand new day for you. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 18 says, forget the former things. I love this. Forget the former things. Whether how good they were or bad they were, do not dwell on the past. God says, see, I'm doing a new thing. God wants to do a new thing in our lives. See, God's doing a new thing in our church. And we're kind of getting to tangibly see it. We're moving to a new place. And I believe that God wants to do the same thing in your life individually. He wants to do a new thing in your life. That was one of my problems whenever I moved here and began to start this church. I thought God's going to have to do this like he's done everything else. You know, we can't be in a middle school. Every, you know, other people that I'm kind of modeling and thinking that it's not in a middle school. And God says, no, 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 no. You have to understand that this is going to be unique to you. And you have to trust me. I'm doing a new thing with you. It's not going to be like anything else. And as Karen and I were talking last night, we were saying, hey, what have you learned over the last year? And one of the things that I said that I've learned is that, you know what? We got to be ourselves. We got we to roll in our lane as a church and be everything God 
God's called us to be. And I believe God would say the same thing to you. Stop comparing yourself to everybody else. Stop comparing yourself to, to your brother or your sister or somebody across the street or somebody else's family. Stop comparing yourself and just be the church. Just be the person. Just be the person God has called you to be. God says, I'm doing a brand new thing. Stop looking backwards. Stop speaking negative words over yourself. You can tell what direction your life is going usually by the thoughts you're thinking and the words you're speaking. What kind of words are you speaking? What kind of conversations are you having? Is it all about the past and how good it used to be? And, or, is it, or is it about what God's doing right now? Watch your words and what you're saying. Also, in this we see the honor, we, we see the power of Joshua honoring and serving um, as, as a secondary leader in his world. He was the assistant, or the Bible says the minister to Moses. He, he was willing to really serve for 40 years in obscurity with nobody really having the spotlight on him. He, he was willing to serve behind the scenes. And it, it shows us that honor opens doors. Whatever area of life that you're in, serve that area to the best of your ability. Joshua could have said, 40 years, I'm going to have to serve this guy? No, he took it as an honor, and he honored the man of God. He honored the leader in his life. He honored his boss, if you will, even though I'm sure there were times where he didn't deserve honor, but he honored that, and God blessed him. You know where the next great leaders are? It's, it's at when people honor. They're, they're people of honor. They're people that, that care for them. Whatever arena of life you're in, I want to challenge you, honor. Be like Joshua. Watch how he led, and watch how he loved the people that he, that he served. He, he loved Moses and cared about him. Watch, let's read on in verse 3. It says, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on the land I'm giving you. For the neg from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. God is kind of giving him a picture of what he promised Moses, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you. Why don't you say that? God is with me. God said, I will be with you as I was with Moses, and I will not fail or abandon you. After he said, after he said Joshua, you have to stop living in the past, he said, Joshua, you need to start remembering the promise. You need to start remembering the promise. Why did God tell Joshua to start remembering the promise? I think it could have been because they had been going in circles for 40 years. If you've been stuck in any area of your life, you have probably forgot the promise because life has such a way. Maybe you have been believing for a healing for a long time and you're just thinking, you know what, it's just not gonna happen anymore. God says, don't forget the promise. Don't forget the promise. Don't forget, don't, don't become content living without the promise. I believe Israel had come to this place where they were content living without the promise. They were content just with manna. Manna was the way that God supernaturally fed the Israelites while they were in the wilderness. Manna literally meant, what is it? And it was this supernatural food that would drop on the ground every morning, and they would pick it up. And God would sustain them every day. But you know what? God wanted to take them to a place where they got more than just manna. God would take them to a place, and we're going to study in a couple weeks, where God took manna off the menu. Where God took it off the menu, and God says, no more manna. Now it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And I got thinking about that this week. You know, we all want the promised land. We all want the land flowing with milk and honey. But I got thinking about that. Milk, where does it come from? You know, I guess as a kid, I always just kind of imagined, I guess the flannel graphs made me think, you know, it's like honey and milk, you know, just streaming down, and it's golden, and it's beautiful in this promised land. But milk comes from 
a cow. Okay, I will move on. And honey comes from where? A beehive. <laughs> so God says, I'm not going to just sustain your life, just the manna every day. I'm going to give you so much more, but it's going to require some work. He says, you're going to have to get out there and get your hands dirty. You're going to have to get up early in the morning. you got to milk a cow, right? It's a land flowing with milk. How's it flowing? It's flowing because you're making it flow, baby. <laughs> See, a lot of times we have this thing. When God takes me to the promised land, it's like heaven and angel wings. And man, my kids are never going to do anything. They're never going to wake up in the middle of the night ever again. It's just going to be perfect. All my bills are going to be paid. Never another problem in my marriage. Everything's just wonderful. God says, no, no, no. The promise is not void of problems. The promise means that you're possessing something and you're taking land. You're not just living day to day, week to week, but you're actually making a difference. You're living the life that's making a difference. And honey, where does it come from? Beehives. <laughs> you got to get stung along the way. You know, you, you, it's, it's not easy. It's going to hurt along the way. And God says, don't just be content where you are. Don't be content with, with being stuck. Don't be content living just paycheck to paycheck or emotionally just on the rocks. Don't be content doing that. Don't forget the promise. Remember that God has something more for you and don't stop until you possess all of the promise of God. Don't take one minute and just say, well, I guess in my marriage it's just going to be this way. No, that's not God's promise. You just keep on trusting him. He's going to do everything that he said he was going to do. Uh, whenever I was a youth pastor in Kentucky. We got the uh, idea to start a class in a kind of a, an area that was um, kind of an impoverished area in the city I grew up in, the town I grew up in, and I kind of rallied our youth group around it, and we, I went to this, uh, this kind of housing development, and uh, I talked to the, the, the manager. It was a government housing development. I went to the, to the kind of the manager of it, and I said, we would love to teach a Bible study here uh, once a week in your kind of community space. Can we do it? And they said, well... It's, we can't really call it a Bible study, but you can call it life skills. If you can teach life skills, and if you use the Bible, that's fine. So we life skills it up every Tuesday night. And I showed videos of all kinds of preachers, and we would, you know, we would talk about you know, how to, all these different things. And, and, and what they started doing, they said, okay, that's cool. If you're doing that, everyone who has to do community service, we'll send them there. And we would have you know, 20, 30 people every Tuesday, and it'd be you know, a guy in his early 20s and a bunch of teenagers in there you know, trying to show them videos and just love on them and feed them. And just, just, we were just trying to reach out. And one of the things I learned from that is um, we would talk to people about getting beyond where you are and, and stepping out of, of circles of poverty and these type of things. And, and it amazed me because many of the people, they knew to the dollar the amount of money they could make and still be on welfare. To the dollar. And I would talk to them. I would, you know, you'd, you'd say, oh man, you're creative. I could see a leader in you. Like, like man, what if, I, I know somebody that works over here and has a company and man, they could probably use you. And I was trying to connect the dots because I had, I saw the potential in these people. And I said, man, you could do this so big and so huge. And I'll never forget them, different ones of them looking me in the eye and saying, no, 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 no. I don't really want to do that because if I did that, I would make this much money. And if I made this much money, I wouldn't get all this free money. And I just, and I just remember not understanding that because I thought why would you why would you just settle for a life where, where you're not it's not truly life it's just you know I, I begin to think this week you can get three square meals a day in prison you can go to prison and eat and not worry about where your food's coming from but who wants to live in a prison right 
Who wants to live their life in prison by their circumstance when we serve a God of abundance? And it wasn't until we began to say, look, look at this. You've got to expand your vision and understand God has a promise more than just you getting three square meals a day. God says, I feed the lilies in the valley and I feed the birds of the air three square meals a day. Why don't you ask me for the nations? Why don't you ask me for a revival that will shake our city? Why don't you ask me for an idea that will be able to make money that can fund the kingdom of God worldwide? Why don't you ask for something that's bigger? Why don't you remember the promise? There's a land of milk and honey. It's a lot of work, but it's worth it. It's a lot of trouble, but it's worth it because you're going to be living what you, the, the, the privilege that God has for your life. He says, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. I want to tell you, just as God's been with anybody else, he's going to be with you. Whoever to you is the pinnacle of, of, of a spiritual leader, I want you to know that God's no more with them than he is with you. Maybe you think, you know what, Billy Graham, what an incredible life, what an incredible person. Man, he would never be with me like that. And God says, no, no, no. Just as like I was with Moses, I was with you. In the New Testament, in the New Covenant, we get a whole new revelation of this. And he says, Jesus looks at us and he says, greater things than these will you, do, will you be able to do. He says essentially that I'm with you. I never fail you. I got, I've been thinking over the last two weeks during this 21 days of prayer, I've had one constant thought that's just kind of went through my mind time and time again. And it's simply been this. It's so simple that I can honestly say that God has never failed me. I mean, I can look at somebody square in the eye and say with every bit of honesty in my heart, God has never failed me one time. God hasn't always done the things that like I thought he was going to do them in the time frame that I thought he was going to do. But you know what? He's never failed me. I just want to remind somebody of that today. God will never fail you. Whatever you're worried about, God will never fail you. You stay faithful. God will never fail you. He's never going to stop. He said, Joshua, understand, I'm going to be with you just like I was with them. So verse 7 says, be strong and very courageous. I love what the message says. It says, have strength, take courage. You are going to lead this people to inherit the land I promised to give to their ancestors. And I love what he says, give it everything you have, heart and soul. Here's the next thing that God begins to tell him. If you're going to cross over Joshua, you have to stop playing it safe. You have to stop playing it safe. You have to stop playing it safe. You have to give it all you have. I, I love the Olympics. I love watching um, what, what's, what's taking place. I haven't got to watch this year's Olympics as much as I would like to, but I've been able to see some of the, some, some of the replays and some of those things. And, and it reminds me of what Paul said in, in Corinthians 9. He, he speaks of the Olympics, actually, in these, these games. And he says, all athletes, they train hard. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that will tarnish and fade. But you're after one that's gold eternally. He says, I don't know about you, but I'm running so hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not getting caught up in napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out myself. And what is he saying? He says, man, I'm giving it all I have. That's what I love about the Olympics. It's just like there's a fire in their eyes. You know, I don't know if you saw the Filipino divers. It was kind of funny, right? Because, you know, they, they got straight zeros, every single one, you know, and they're kind of high-fiving one another. And it's funny, but it's also sad. On the greatest world stage of athleticism, 
People came unprepared. And you know, you know what? I think so many of us, we're on the greatest, what Paul's saying, we're on, the, we're on an even greater stage when we're serving God. We're on an even greater stage when we're giving our life for Jesus. In other words, stop playing games. Give it all you have. Stop playing it safe. Stop hedging your bets with God. It's like, well, if this doesn't work out, then I'll kind of go over to this. And this relationship doesn't work out. I'm going to give it all that I have. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to go all in. I mean, put the chips all in. I mean, just say, God, you know what? If I, and that's what I tell the Lord all the time. If I fail because of trusting you, then let me fail. Because, and you know what? God's never failed me. God's always going to do what he said he was going to do, but we have to go all in. It's easy to serve God hard. In other words, with all you have. But it's really hard to serve God halfway. It's really hard to just give God a halfway commitment. You know, it takes commitment. It takes commitment and courage to be obedient to God's word. It really takes commitment to be obedient to God's word in the middle of our culture that we live in because a lot of things that God said really is, is culturally weird or it's just scary. You know, it, it doesn't make sense whenever God says, you know what, I want you to stay sexually pure. In a world where it's no big deal to sleep with your boyfriend, it's totally normal. Just, you know what, you wouldn't even buy a car without trying it out. If I've heard that once, I've heard it 10 times. You know what, and, and, but God's word says that's not the way it is. It takes courage to say, you know what, that's not the way we're going to live our life. Why? Not because everybody else may not understand, but this is what God's word says. Or you know what, it doesn't make sense whenever God says, I want you to give a tithe. And whenever you, I want you to give 10% of your income to me. And God says, and you, you say, well, God, I kind of got some needs. I, I need this. And God says, no, it doesn't make, it takes courage to trust me. Just watch what I'll do if you'll, if you'll be faithful, if you'll trust me. It says it, it takes courage whenever there's a job opportunity before you. And it looks like it's a, it makes sense in the natural, but whenever you pray about it, whenever you and your spouse pray, and you just, you just don't feel like it's the right thing spiritually, you feel like it's a God thing, and you, your, your coworkers are like, what? It's a God thing? What does that even mean? But you're thinking, no, I really feel like if I did this, if I moved to that place, it would take me away from God. I feel like it would hurt me. I've got some counsel, and people don't think it's the right thing. It takes some courage. Take some courage to follow God. Take some courage to forgive someone whenever they've wronged you. Whenever you're in the right, supposedly, to take revenge against them. It takes a lot of courage to keep your mouth shut, someone who's hurt you. But God's word says his place is the, is the place to avenge, not ours. And when we forgive, it doesn't make sense. It takes courage, though. It doesn't, doesn't make sense, but God says it's awesome. Do it. Follow me. He says, study this book of instruction continually. Verse 8. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We want to help you do this. We want to help you get in the Word, stay in the Word. We have a one-year Bible on, this, on cityhills.com, or you can download our free app, and you can read through the Bible every day. It'll actually read the Bible to you, and you can follow along with that. But we want to help you get in the Word, find the success that God has for your life, not, not just coming to an event, but getting in the Word for yourself, driving down the road, man. Put on that app and, and get in the Word. And, and, and the next thing he says, I love this. He goes on to say in verse 10, Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. Here's the second thing. You need to, here's the next thing. You need to start preparing. You need to start preparing. 
(laughs) Joshua said, hey guys, hey guys, this is what God said he's going to do. I want you to go and I want you to get your stuff ready. I want you to go and make preparations because we are about to cross over. I want to tell somebody this morning, you need to start getting your stuff ready because God's about to do something in your life like he never has before. And it's going to take some preparation. I love this. See, naturally, whenever I was studying this, I I said, you know what? No, I want to go chapter by chapter through this book because I wanted to start at like chapter three, right? I want to start at chapter three whenever the priest's feet touch the the Jordan River and it begins to part, you know, and it's like, man, that's preaching right there. You can get an organ, get a B3 organ going, just shout all over the place, right? Or or chapter six, whenever they start marching around Jericho, right? And on the seventh time, on the seventh day, and the the trumpet started to blow and then the walls begin to come down. I mean, that's, that's preaching, right? You know, but prepare yourself. No, we're not. We'll just skip over that, right? But do you understand if there wasn't a preparation, there would be no Jericho victory. If there was no preparing your heart, there would be no next victory. So here's the thing. What in your life do you need to have see the crossover take place? And here's the question. How can you get prepared right now before the God moment happens in your life? You say, I want a new job. I want a new job. I want a new job. God, give me a new job. Well, have you updated your resume yet? Have you put in an application yet? See, that's the natural. But if you'll start preparing the natural, God will start preparing the supernatural. Where's the natural? What's what's the thing that you need to cross over in your life? God says, if you'll start getting ready, if you'll do the natural, God says, I'll do the supernatural. There are a few words that will kill your destiny. Here's three of them. When I finally. (laughs) Well, God, I'll get prepared. When you do that, then I'll do this. When you do that, that's what I'll do. Or here's another one. One day when, one day when I get a new job, one day when the kids grow up, one day when all my debts paid off, one day when, one day when. God says, no, get prepared right now. Do what you can do to do what only God can so allow God to do what only he can do. What are you planting in your life right now? What are you sowing in your life right now? Because God will use that for the harvest that he has for, for you next. Don't just blame it all on God. Well, if God wants, to, God wants to get me out of this addiction, then he can just do it. No, you need to do something natural this week and you need to find some kind of support or recovery group or talk to me or I'll get you with a counselor. You need to do something that you can do naturally and as you take steps naturally, you'll see God begin to break those chains of addiction off your life. Do what you can do and watch God do what he can do. It says... Then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. These three, these two and a half tribes, they had had an inheritance that wasn't wasn't across the Jordan. They had an inheritance that was on the east side of Jordan. And he began to talk to them. He addresses, essentially, he says, hey, I need to talk to everybody for a moment. He told them in verse 13, remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, has commanded you. The Lord your God is giving you peace, a place of rest, He's given you this land. Your wives, children, and livestock may remain here in the land. Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan River, but your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer their territory. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest, and he has given you rest, and until they too possess the land your God is giving them. Only then may you return and settle here on the east side of the Jordan River in the land that Moses, your servant, the Lord servant of the Lord assigned to you. Essentially, you had these two and a half tribes who they didn't really need a breakthrough. They kind of already had their breakthrough. So Joshua looks at the people. Isn't this cool? This is how Jesus looks at us too. 
You know, because there are people in this room, you, you kind of got some good things going on right now. Not everybody's at a crossover moment in their life. Some of you have already crossed over. Some of you are already possessing some of your promise. And God looks at those people and he says, hey guys, we got to do this together. We need each other. And here's the last thing that Joshua tells the people. They need to start crossing together. You know what? If you're not doing your part as part of this church, we're not okay. We're not okay. Even the smallest part of this body, we need you. You ever stubbed your pinky toe before? You know what I'm saying? In the middle of the night and not cuss. If you have, you're a, really, you're a real Christian. <laughs> or not at least wanted to cuss in your mind. I'm sure we have really saved people in this place. You've never done that before. But when you stub that toe, you realize how important that toe is, right? You know what? We need each other. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter. Maybe, maybe you have tons of experience. Maybe you have zero experience. We need you. Joshua says, hey guys, don't get so content where you are that you don't need other people. We need each other. We're having a small group leader training on the 30th at 7 p.m. We would love for, there's some people in this place that part of your part in this body is that you need to, you need to step up and be a leader and be a part of helping foster a community. We want to see this church get bigger, and it is getting bigger. This is awesome. But not just that, we want to see this church get smaller in relationships because if, if we're not crossing together, then we're not crossing. If we're not crossing together, that's some of our issues, that we're, we're smart, we have it all together in our lives, but you know what? We really just need some community. We can't do this by ourselves, and God designed it that way. God says we need one another. We need each other. And it concludes by saying this, and they answered Joshua, and let this be our, let this be our cry today. We will do whatever you command us, God. We will go wherever you send us. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses, and the Lord your God will be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your orders and does not obey your words, everything you command will be put to death. That's pretty intense. He said, but be strong and courageous. You know what? I want to say yes, God. Whatever you want. Today's a day of preparation. It's our last day here at the school, and man, it's been awesome. But you know what? God has greater things for this church. And you know what? God has greater things for your life. Let's prepare our hearts. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, it's so incredible. This book written so many thousands of years ago still speaks to us today. Jesus, thank you for showing us who you are through this leader in the Old Testament, Joshua. God, help us to be faithful with the calling that you've put in our lives. Lord, we trust you. We love you. Lord, we thank you. You are so incredible. Lord, I pray specifically for anybody in this place that needs to say yes to you. The greatest crossover we could ever have is from death to life when we put our faith in you. When we say yes to you, Jesus, when we repent of our sins, we take steps of being water baptized, God. We say, God, just change me. Fill me with your spirit. I want to be brand new. Would you do that now? If you're here in this place and you need to say yes to Jesus, you've been holding out in your relationship with God and you need a fresh start. If that's you, I just want to pray with you. And if that's you, you don't, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to do anything like that. But I just want you in your own heart to just simply pray with me. Just simply say, Jesus, I need you. I give you my life. I give you my heart. And if that's you, why don't you pray with me today? Simply say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I give my life to you today. Be my Lord. Be my leader. Forgive me of my sin. I'll follow you all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit. Give me strength. In Jesus' name.